Hello, and welcome to the Craft Brewed Music Podcast, music interviews for serious listeners. You may have heard of our curated music discovery app. The podcast lets us dig deeper and get to know the creators of that music, as well as others that will broaden your horizons. I'm Brian Horner, founder and curator of Craft Brewed Music, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Aaron Stamen, a Craft Brewed Music artist. I Hello. made it. <laughs> He's right. back. I'm back. All right, wait, wait, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> happens when uh when i'm on the road all the time and i'm never home and i'm juggling a million things to do when i'm home all right yeah okay all right ah. everything's gonna be fine oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah yeah 112 it's just uh perfect the interview was set up for 112 hey guys right on time how are you guys doing <laughs> sorry <laughs> Great to have you here. We got Marco Benevento with us on the uh, show this week. Uh, Marco's music has been in the Craft Brew Music streaming app since the beginning, and uh, great to finally catch up and kind of get to dig in and, and talk about this. Aquarium Drunkard says that the new music is a neon pool party powering an addictive, hazy blend of West African grooves, psychedelia, and electro through your entertainment speakers. Downbeat calls it a jazz rock solo affair of rambunctious and off-kilter experimentation. It's richly riveting and ebullient. favorite description comes from your record label, which called the music Small Batch Psychedelia, which is a, a perfect fit for us here at Craft Brew Music, the home of Small Batch Streaming. Um, <laughs> so I was curious, you know, when you come across someone who's unfamiliar with your music, how do you describe it? I like to just say it's good music. <laughs> no, All right. That's short, short and sweet. Uh, I, uh, you know, it's bad music and good music. No. Uh, I don't know. You know, all those words and descriptive words about the album specifically uh, put me in a haze of confusion. But when I when I hear them, all the words you just read, I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, it's kind of what it is. You know, like <laughs> they, they nailed it. If, if someone wants to hold on that long for the description, I mean. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I, this particular record, I would say to describe it. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's my pandemic record. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's me in my studio playing all the instruments and me with a lot of time on my hands, <laughs> uh, messing with all the songs and all the keyboards that I have in here and everything. So, so th I feel like this particular record is, is a bit different than, uh, a lot of the other ones that I've made, but, um, but yeah, it is. It's psychedelic. Uh, there's a bit of West African vibes going on there. I have uh, uh, this guy named Mimo uh, who lives here in Woodstock, who teaches at the school that our kids go to. Uh, I had him come play a bunch of African drums and play a bunch of bells and all sorts of stuff on three or four of the songs on the record. So there's there's that element too. And uh and also as a record collector and just an avid, you know, music listener, I do have a lot of, uh, you know, William Anyabor, uh, Francis Bebe and a Kiki Guyan and like, you know, artists like that, where it's kind of like this experimental dance, you know, synth sort of repetitious groove party kind of vibes. And I, I've always loved that. And I, it's funny cause I, I, that's like my go-to on like on a, on a, on a road trip or, you know, in the car, just listening to music. I want to listen to African music, you know, from like the mid seventies to early eighties, 
you know, kind of vibes, just drum machines and, uh, you know, really simple, simple music. So I, so that's, that's the new record. I, I would, that's how the new record is, is, would be described to me, but yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. What were you going to say? I'll stop talking. Well, I was going to ask, <laughs> that's one of the, you hit upon one of the very things I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Brian, uh, I, and, and you are all roughly contemporaneous in our uh, ages and, uh, listening to your, uh, playing and imagining the origin story. I'm, I mean, I'm hearing, you know, uh, Bernie Worrell and, you know, Joe Zawinu and maybe Jan Hammer as uh, influences, but the West African stuff was a surprise to me. That's not something that was a, a hole in my musical knowledge until I uh, was uh, reading about you. And I'm, I'm curious how that connection was made. Was that early on or was that a more recent discovery? I would say it's a more recent discovery, meaning in the last 10 years discovery, uh, you know, I didn't know that music when I was, uh, 18 or, you know, 21 or, you know, even in my, you know, twenties, <clears throat> which is interesting to me because I, I love it and I would have loved it if I heard it back then, or maybe I did and it didn't hit me. Who knows? You know, that's how, that's how music goes really for people and musicians, especially, I feel like you're like you know, you, you miss a pocket of like, what's so funny. It's like to this day, my a really close friend will say, you've never heard of Gene Harris. I'm like, no, who's Gene Harris? You know, <laughs> what? It's like, yeah. And like, you know, all this other stuff you don't know. Or like a friend of mine was even like, Oh, I didn't really go through a Zeppelin phase. I'm like, you never like listen to Led Zeppelin. I'm like what? <laughs> like, no, I don't really know. But anyway, yeah. Some, so anyway, going backwards, uh, or going back to what I was talking about, uh, I, you know, I missed that, that when I was younger and, and recently just getting into records and record labels and, uh, meeting people who, who are more into the, you know, the other side of music, like the not performing side of music, more like the studio work. And they're, they're hungry for all these different records and different sounds and different producers that they know. And, re you know, record collectors say, I I've got turned on to to uh to that music through through those sort of vinyl junkies that i've met along the way and you know incredible producers and and uh you know when you just like dive into what they like and you listen to their playlists and you're like what is what is that song and i would hear these these tunes you know over the last yeah 10 10 or so years and be like well, who's william onyabar what and then i saw that like money mark and, and david byrne i think had they did like a william onyabar thing uh maybe even 10 years ago or something like that. Uh, yeah. And, he, uh, he's, a, I, I was not familiar with him and I, I checked out, uh, you know, better change your mind, which was his, his big hit. So uh -huh. I, thought, I was expecting to hear something that was very dated mm -hmm. and the lyrics are like, like America, you ever think the world is yours eh? in Russia? Yeah, you yeah. ever think the world is yours? I was like, wow, this is awfully topical right totally. now, isn't it? And you, China, yeah, is yours. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I would say that. Yeah, I did hear that on a. That's a thing. Like you hear that, like on a compilation, right? Like this, right? Obscure record label from L.A. puts out th these compilations, and you're like, "What is all this?" And then, and then you just dive into all these other compilations and playlists from all these other record labels, and you're like, "What is all this cool stuff?" Like, I want to know. I want to know. I mean, that's the journey of music and being a musician, right? You're just constantly searching yeah. for new stuff. And you're, I want to know what, what uh, Richard Swift listens to, and I, or I want to know what Leon Michaels listened to, or, you know, Dan Arbeck or, uh, you know, Mark Ronson or you're like, or Danger Mouse. You're like, what are, what are they? Like, yeah. I, I, I like those, or just people that you like sonically, you know, I always like to just i want to know what they know it's it's funny because you know you're like a musician and you're out on stage and i'm performing and we're playing and you're like yeah, those guys are cool up there wow let's have a great this time like we're all just nerds like searching for <laughs> new music and like i want to know everything i can yeah. possibly know about recorded music uh yeah it's never going to happen in my lifetime i get but uh it's kind of like learning jazz or improvisation you're like oh man you you get taught all these uh, things and you'll still be searching until you die for, you know, all these different ways you can play E minor or, you know, F sharp right. seven or, right. you know, or, or different ways you can play all these songs and, or, and going in the recorded thing. Like 
different ways you can record music and produce songs. Anyway, so I that's my deep dive. I I, I always I always I, I go down that that tunnel and I realize that I don't know anything. Like and I but I'm I love learning so much about it and I'm slowly filling up my brain and, and remembering things <laughs> more about things that I like. And, and I just, it's great. It's funny, you know, like when it hits you a certain way at a certain time, you, you're like, all right, I'm in, I, I want to learn. Of the three uh, West African artists that uh, you mentioned, um, the, the one that's the, the, the clearest link to me uh, in terms of the, the style that's evolved for you as, as a solo artist is, is Francis Bebet. Um, and his thing was this kind of tension between what for his day would have been kind of a tension between lo-fi and hi-fi, uh, with, uh, the sound of the sansa, the, the thumb piano or his guitar mixed with the modern keyboards of that day. very first track off your first solo album off invisible baby uh, bus ride it's got that banjo and synth thing going together i'm like wow that sounds like now that i've listened to francis baby thanks to you know uh the uh, the tip from uh, your biography i'm like oh that seems like more of a direct link now That's old school, bringing it to the new school here because because that wasn't even a, you know, back uh, that was song. that was that before you knew him. Yeah, oh yeah, work. Oh, that's absolutely. Yeah, hmm. bus ride. I mean, that song, bus ride on Invisible Baby, Invisible Baby, our record came out. I mean, when did that come out? It came out in like oh eight, right? Is that right? Yeah. I I don't I don't even I don't even know maybe it was later. So it's that. interesting. So the aesthetic was already kind of there, and that's that's one thing I that I I really enjoy about the music. One of the things that comes out on the the new album is is that tension between something that sounds from one era and then something that's very modern will creep in over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's the, uh, the 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 take I have from the uh, the Francis Bebet um, connection is there's cool. always that. Uh, kind of morphing between eras in your songs. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I was just thinking about the, while you were talking, I was thinking about how I was making this record. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of moments where I recorded stuff on the computer and then I dumped it over to like it's old eight track tape machine that I have and I kind of mess with it more and then dump it back into the computer. And then I dumped it again on the, like my four track recorder that I had when I got, uh, I've had forever. I got it when I was like 15 and I bounced it down to a cassette and then I (laughs) took it from the cassette and bounced it back into the computer again. So it hit like two different tape machines and I was like, perfect there we go like it it sounded like all hissy and kind of weird and messed up and like i I even messed with the speed a couple times and like really got old school with it because that's i mean obviously how they did it you know in the 70s they didn't you know the only way you could record is to tape so i i was kind of trying to get those sounds and i was like listen like when you hit play on one of those songs the first thing you hear is yeah (laughs) you're like i want that like oh and you know there's like fake ways to do it but i was like i'll just use all this giant tape gear here that i have and i'm gonna 
mess with it. So the the layers, I feel like I feel like that added to getting the layers of of old with the new, and then you overdub over the tape. Anyway, yeah, it's endless over here. <laughs> I'm so in my studio right now, so I'm looking at all the gear, and I'm like, <laughs> ah, slowly the gear is going to eat me. I might not make it to the end of the interview. <laughs> right. So with the, you know with those layers of of sounds and and experimental techniques like what you're talking about um being all over your recordings when did that start was there a you know i'm a saxophone player aaron's a guitar player was there a point when you just played an instrument you know piano keyboard and and had the thought that you know this this just isn't going to cut it this isn't doing it for me oh i i've always been a piano player i've been a keyboard player since i was since i heard my cousin play when i was younger and i was like i want to do that uh, since, uh, so I, I've always been, uh, studying piano and, you know, uh, never been sick of that. And I still, still do that. And I, and I am basically, you know, Hey, basically, you know what I am? I'm a piano player. Yeah. I, you know, I, uh, that's what I do. I, 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 and I love doing it. I love performing and I love improvising and, and playing and gigging. And, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a gigging musician. That's what I'm doing. I'm on the road all the time. Uh, and this sort of production element and recording element would always just come through when I was home. And I always loved recording at home from the beginnings of our tiny, you know, apartment in Brooklyn, where I just had like a old Apple laptop, you know, with like a little weird pro tools box to, to connect microphones into it. An M box. That's what it was called. You know, so it, it was always production and, and recording was always in there and I always loved doing it, but I was always on the road, 150 shows a year, 200 shows a year, like gone, just, you know, never home. So you obviously can't do that. But when you're uh, home for a while and you're always working on it, it grows and grows and expands. And then all of a sudden to me, I'm looking around in this room right now. I'm like, oh yeah, this is like another version of a stage for me now where I'm like, oh yeah, like I, people come over here to record. I've made my own records here. I've overdubbed for a lot of people over here. Uh, you know, uh, I'm here right now with Leon Michaels recording some stuff um, for this afternoon. So it's just, you know, it's it's slowly crept into my world as a piano player, being someone that's, you know, recording and producing. And I love it. And I, and I hope to do more of it. Um, but I, I was never, you know, piano, you know, I, I, I love it. Oops, sorry. I, um, I love playing piano. Piano for me is like, you know, top priority. You know, if I ever feel like I'm having a bad day or I'm tired or I feel like I'm like, what's, what's, what's the deal here? What's, I'll go sit down in the studio and like, just like play piano and sort of get my, what I call mental floss, just get the mental floss going and loosen up all the screws a little bit or tighten them, however you want to look at it <laughs> and just improvise and uh, play piano. And, you know, I'm like, all oh, right, like, that's what you do. You're a piano player. You've practiced piano your entire life. And that's, that's mm -hmm. what you do. You know, maybe, maybe you're recording too much. Maybe you're uh, traveling too much, or maybe you uh, haven't been around the piano in a long time because you've been gone and, and then you play, you know, so piano has always been my number one, uh, my number one guy. Here it is. Just got a tune yesterday, <laughs> but, uh, Sounds great. Yeah, I was never, never un, un, you know, unfulfilled with just being a piano player. I, I do remember thinking I wanted more sounds, and that's when I started playing more synthesizers and organ. I got a Hammond organ, uh, and yeah, I got like all sorts of synthesizers growing up, and like loved putting on my headphones and, and hearing other sounds in the piano because I mean, there's only one sound on a piano, and it's the piano. That's all you got. And when you're a kid. <laughs> You're like, I want to hear like strings and weird alien sounds and synth sure, stuff yeah. and funky clavs. I don't know, you know, all that, all the good stuff. So, yeah, yeah but it, even it. even more so than the uh, than the you know just than the analog synths. Um, there's there's effects on the acoustic piano or preparing the piano as well, which are uh, more adventurous than than most uh, in looking for a sonic tapestry. Right, right. That was a thing for me. That was a big thing. I remember when we put out our first record, Invisible Babies, a while ago, like you said, 2008 or nine, I forget, but long time ago, it feels like um, we were about to do a tour 
and I was like, okay, so I'll just, you know, we're going to go out to California do a tour. We just play rooms that have pianos. And I was imagining going into the room and playing the piano and then Reed playing bass, Matt playing drums. And I was like, well, but then how do I get like the distort? I was like, but then it's going to be a jazzy sounding. Like then people, I, I'm imagining people sitting down and listening to that music. I was like, no, mm-hmm. like I need people to be standing up and like, cause our, you know, there's like some rock energy in there and some, some upbeat, danceable stuff in there for sure. And uh, so I was like, well, how am I going to, what do I do? Cause otherwise it's just a piano. So I, I, I opened a drawer to my right and I had a, a, a little guitar pickup that you put on an acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. So it was like this little uh, wooden thing, the shape of a, a like size of a, of a quarter. And, and then it was connected to a wire that you could plug into an amp. And when you stick it to an acoustic guitar, and you play it on stage, it's like, it sounds horrible. It does not work at all, which is why it was in my drawer. Yeah, I was like, this is never going to work. But if you stick it to a piano, I was like, what if I stuck this thing to the piano? Uh, I was like, because the piano is a lot louder than a, a little acoustic guitar. If you can imagine a guitar player on a giant stage trying to hear his acoustic guitar. I don't monitor, have to imagine. You know, and then, you, right, exactly. And you imagine a guy sitting on a next to a piano, you know, with the pickup and then like, obviously it's like 10 times as loud. So I plugged it into this little Sears Silvertone amp and I, and it just immediately, it was like, and I had the tremolo on. I didn't even know it was on. It was like, I was like, Oh my God, piano with tremolo. Like what? I'm like, what if I do distortion? I was like, Oh my God, distortion. And I was like, delay. And I was like, Oh, this is perfect. So I'll, <laughs> I'll fly with this little pickup and I'll plug it into all these pedals and, you know, there'll be an amp there and I'll just, I'll run the piano through an amp and we'll, I'll make sure I have that element of, of this band because otherwise it's too, too clean, too jazzy. It's not what I'm picturing in, in my head of what, what the vision is for the band and for the yeah. sound of, of my own music. There's there's such a, a variety of 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 textures and sounds on the new record on, on your prior records as well, and I'm curious about the creative process now that you've have such a, a history of experimentation with sound. Do you, when you create a new song, do you start just guy sitting at the acoustic piano working out ideas like a lot of songwriters do to keep it minimal, or do you start from the sounds? And let that be your your uh, point of initiation. Um, I I do start from when I sort of when the germ of a, a you know of an idea of a song idea comes uh, to 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 mine here when I'm working. I generally am I lean towards like sounds. You know, I lean towards uh, drum machines and like a synth, and I'm like in here getting the tempo getting a groove, getting a cool sound out of a synth. And then I'll, I'll kind of get going from there. And, uh, I, that's, that's where I go first. And then, you know, sometimes I'll sit at, at the piano and, and be like, Oh, sorry. Oh, hopefully I didn't lose you guys. Uh, anyway, sometimes I'll sit down at the piano and, and play, you know, play some, play some chords and, come up with a progression and, and that that's another way that I'll, I'll write, but I lean towards ear candy as I, as I say, (laughs) Um, I I lean towards, you know, reverbs and drums and weird stuff over on the keyboard wall. And, and I, I go from there. Uh, But you know, some songs, yeah, start on the piano as well. But like I said, do I do like the colorful. You've got a tune on the, the new album called the Warm Up. Uh, which starts out with uh, uh, a, a variety of different sounds is kind of creeping in, even like the sound of like a cable kind of like half plugged in and buzzing. And then this wash of distortion. It's, it, it sounds to me like your mad scientist lab kind of firing up. And like, yeah. like yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that, yeah, well, that's great. Like a Jacob's exactly. ladder in the background. Like, <laughs> yeah, was exactly what I was going for with that one. I was like, I feel like I should just have a song where it sounds like I just walked in my studio and literally, that's what that is anyway. I, I walked in, the drum machine was going, and I just sort of was messing around on the piano. 
And then I overdubbed all sorts of stuff over it. And I was like, it could be a cool because it's I'm you can hear that. I'm like, it was the morning and I was like, you know, mess had some some coffee or whatever. I was just kind of getting the brain going and slowly warming up and getting the fingers moving. And yeah, that's exactly what it is. I kind of wanted to try to capture that that feeling, you know, or that that moment, you know. kids get mad when you like steal their speaking spell or their other toys for recording purposes. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I'm like, are are you are you using that still? Because I could use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talk to us a little bit about circuit bending and what that's all about. I got introduced uh to circuit bending uh when I was on tour in like the early two thousands. We played in Chicago and uh this guy came to our gig who was friends with somebody. I, I don't even know how he was got there, but his name is Tom Stevenson. And he had a duffel bag filled with all these toys. And he was like, dude, check this out. It does this sound. You can make this crazy. I'm like, what? This is incredible. Just mind blown. You know, just like I now I was like that. Now I need to know everything about it <laughs> because and I need to have all this stuff. And we like started the gig with like five people from the audience, like with different circuit bent toys in their hands, like plugged into the DIs on stage. And we were just all making weird sounds to start the gig. I was like, this is beautiful. <laughs> it's like a speak and spell, uh, uh, you know, about to blow up and like a weird, uh, you know, dream machine, like alarm clock with a <laughs> mod on it, you know, and all these weird uh toys i just love the sounds of those and i i eventually had like a pedal board of circuit pen toys and that i would use as intros for songs or outros or just weird space out section of songs where you could almost sounds like a theremin at some points or a moog at some points where you could get these weird sweeps and crazy sounds out of certain keyboards and i just got deep into that especially in the in the in conjunction with the acoustic piano bass and drums it really added to the sort of soundtrack element maybe of our, of our band. Yeah. On the other end of the spectrum, uh, one of my, uh, there's these three little shorts on your, uh, on your previous album, let it slide that are entitled, uh, Gaffiano or Gaffiano, mm -hmm. uh, where it's, uh, if I understand it, it's, you're putting tape on the, uh, the strings of the piano to get a kind of like weird yeah. clavichord <laughs> sound. Gaff tape and piano, gaffiano. <laughs> That's exactly what happened in the studio. Uh, yeah, we were. I was recording at with Leon over at Diamond Mine at their spot, and it was that was basically, uh, uh, you know, the beginning of of you know our sort of musical hang that's continuing 
literally as we speak, he's on his phone looking at me outside the window, like, "Hey, man, record again. We were, let's do it." <laughs> but uh, we uh, it was a uh, you know, I, what was that like 2016 or 17? Um, but um, that's crazy. So, uh, but we we were in there, and I I was playing the piano on a song on "Let It Slide," actually, and I was like, "This this is so funny. This is like an ongoing joke with the band. We're like, oh, did you like you like the gig?" And they're like, "No, oh, it was a little piano-y. you know, because it's it's you know the <laughs> piano is like the main focus of everything, right? And the piano has a, has a vibe to it, and some songs don't need piano, you know, even if you're a piano player. And uh, I. I was just like, the sound isn't working. I don't know. And uh, when we were touring, I would always mute the strings for, for certain songs with, with the palm of my hand. And you could reach into the upright and mute the strings. And, uh, and I come to realize that you could put a gaff tape sort of across the top of the strings to act like your hand meeting the strings, uh, to have more range and to, to do all the notes. So I sort of in between takes, I, I put gaff tape on the piano and we played Let It Slide and they're like what'd you do to the piano it sounds so much better i'm like i put gaff tape on it it was like too piano-y <laughs> it was a little too piano-y for me and they're like cool and they're like would you mind just like play um just like uh like keith jarrett meets sun Ra. go <laughs> and i was like yes and then they'd be like do uh you know i don't know they would just rattle off different things and i like improvise and they're like, this is amazing. You know, keep on going. <laughs> and the Gaffiano had like a, a, you know, moment when we were recording the record. So Leon was just like, we got to put these little, we got to put these little Gaffiano parts in there. Cause, cause it was really fun, you know, messing with that sound. was out this past June um, called Benevento. I thought it was kind of interesting after so many albums that this one was self-titled. Is there a statement in there of any kind? Uh, well, the story really is, no, there's no statement. The The story goes is, uh, you know, as the pandemic was, as we were getting, you know, as it was loosening uh, the restrictions stuff we were having, you know, people over outside for dinner and stuff that we haven't seen in a while. And my friend, uh, Noah, he said, uh, man, I, he's like, how's, how's it been? What have you been up to? I'm like, it's kind of an awesome. Like I just, I'm stuck here in paradise. Like I live in this beautiful house in the woods with a studio right next to it. The girls are doing school in there. And then I just like go to the studio and like record every day. It's the best. And he's like, he's like, I bet you have a lot of songs. And I was like, I do. I have so many. And he's like, well, are you going to, you going to put out a record? And I said, yeah, but I don't know what to call it. He's like, you should just call it Benevento, like, like McCartney. And then McCartney came with like, he's like, and then you could have like Benevento too, because you have so much music, just have a quick sort of follow up. I'm like, Perfect. <laughs> done. Because because the quick follow up is basically done. I uh, so yeah, that's the that's the goal with that is to have another batch of small batch psychedelia coming out. Uh, it's, it's a big uh, it's a big change from uh, your prior album, which came out in 2019. Uh, Let it slide, uh, particularly in my opinion, in terms of the vocal treatment. Uh, where as on Let It Slide, those songs seem to have the more uh, traditional uh, singer-songwriter rock band ethos of everything is supporting the vocal. The vocals up front and mm -hmm. the uh, the verse and the chorus are are the primal thing and everything else builds around that. 
Whereas mm-hmm. on most of the tracks on Benevento, it feels like the vocal track is yet another layer. And there's a very egalitarian feel between the drum track, the bass groove, the keyboard, and the vocal. And each one kind of has an equal footing in that uh, in that landscape. Yeah, yeah. This one, uh, yeah, compared to Let It Slide, this one is, you know, this is like the experimental record. Like, I feel like Let It Slide was like, I, I had all these tunes and I wanted to work with Leon and we were we were trying to pull out this more simple elements of just like, you know, bass drums, vocals, you know, kind of thin it out a little and just have it be about the song, about the melody, about the arrangement, uh, about the simplicity uh, compared to all the layers upon layers of keyboards that are say on you know the the follow-up the you know the the newest record so yeah yeah i mean it's dead on the the this you know this record is is an experimental record like i said and it's funny because during the pandemic yeah i was man i mean even thinking about it it's crazy right we were all doing different stuff to to try to survive and i was doing you know whatever online whatever concerts uh whoever if somebody wanted to take a lesson or whatever i was like on all platforms like sure sign up if you want and it didn't happen not often but it happened you know often enough where i you know actually had some relationships with with some people who are great musicians uh who like knew about a lot about me and about my you know songs and concerts that they've been doing they were really nice but they always they wanted to learn more about their instruments anyway this one dude kept he I was telling him how I was working on this record at home during the pandemic and he was like oh that's cool I'm like yeah I just I don't know it's really weird I'm playing all the instruments and it's really experimental and it's it's really a weird studio record and he's like you haven't made one of those yet (laughs) (laughs) and I was like wait like haven't like a lot of my records are like you I go to the studio and record and then we kind of pull you know, it's kind of it's kind of tailored and kind of nice. You know, it's a it's a record that that sounds nice and neat. And I was like, this one doesn't sound nice and neat. <laughs> and I, I I like it. You know, I wanted I should put out this weird experimental record. There's there's a couple songs on there that are are more uh, are more polished, but there's also some just some experimentations on there where you're like, you know what, that's it. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes instead of the traditional verse chorus uh, format, you have almost these, these chanted meditations uh, for the, right. uh, the vocal treatment going on over there. I wanted to ask a little bit about the, the, the lyrics on this, on this uh, album. Cause my understanding is that this was a collaboration with, uh, uh, with someone else on uh, some of the, uh, some of the words. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, just looking back at the pandemic, um, our buddy Al Howard uh, was really prolific writing two songs a day, just, you know, very, very busy. Uh, and he, I met him at high Sierra music festival in like 2002 uh, with my friend, Nathan Moore and the slip guys. And, uh, and Nathan reached out to me and, and he told me that uh, Al was writing and it just had tons of words and lyrics that he's willing to share, right. You know, uh, you know, just, work you know uh, work with somebody or uh you know see see what happens and uh i was at that point it was just kind of perfect timing i said to nathan i was like man that's good because i i'm kind of at my wits end with these lyrics and i don't know if i like them or not and i kind of would love for al to send me some lyrics or some poems or whatever and maybe i could somehow squeeze some of his words and my words. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I've never done it, you know, so sure. Send him over. And he sent over the first one he sent over. I immediately was like, Oh my, like total, just like mind blown. Like, Oh my God, this is the funnest thing ever because there's some lines that I have that I like that I want to use. And then there's maybe some that I don't. And then you could literally cut and paste some words over maybe change them up a little and uh i don't know i i really it was like all of a sudden i could collage a a collage like i could i had all my cutouts and i could make my 
my my giant collage like i couldn't figure it out by myself but by having other words to sort of look at and read his story and think about how it could relate to my story and how i could use maybe four lines of his with two lines of mine back to four lines of his to two lines of mine I'm like there we go right that'll work out too uh, yeah it was it was definitely a inspiring moment for me and, and i was like okay al send me more send and he sent me over seven different lyric ideas and i i used most all of them but you know definitely had some most of the choruses that i wanted to have were, were more mine and then some of the more of the verses were his or uh you know anyway it was it was a nice it was kind of nice and i even sent it to him and i was like is this okay if i sort of ruin your story or i don't know do you like, do you, do you like this or i thought he was going to be like no dude because i would re reverse stuff i'm like no i feel like that third verse of his should be the first one and then it, and then i should do my little you know pre-chorus and and i really really messed with his with it and didn't know what he was going to say and and he was like him him and nathan both were like oh i've never heard you sing these many this many words, you know, those many words, because because I'm not I'm not much of a lyricist, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. And it was really a great experience to to do that. with uh, Kevin Calabro and Royal Potato Family, which is the label you co-founded, correct? Yes. And we've had, a, we got a bunch of, of uh, RPF artists in the app and we've talked on the podcast to Mike Dillon and Scott Metzger and Leslie Mendelson, Charlie Hunter. What, how did that all come about that you decided you wanted to kind of, um, you know, integrate all parts of the process from the performing to the, uh, you know, release and promotion and all of that? Yeah, the record label was started. Um, uh, well, the record label name came up as a joke that that Bob Dylan told our drummer Matt Chamberlain, and you know our record label is called Royal Potato, the Royal Potato Family, um, and uh, yeah, we're just called RPF Records, Royal Potato Family. And, um, it was, it started as, um, as, as a joke. This is a joke that, um, Bob Dylan told Matt while they were on tour. Um, Bob turns to Matt and says, do you want to hear a joke? And Matt's like, uh, yes, Bob Dylan, I'd love to hear a joke. <laughs> and he says, there's a Royal potato family. There's a King potato, princess potato a queen potato and a princess potato and the princess potato had to go out and find a man to get married to. So she goes out on her first date. She comes back with, with the fellow and the king did not like him immediately. She goes out on another date, kind of thinks it's really, really working out, brings her, brings him back, says, what do you think, Dad? And he says, nope, definitely not. 
She goes out on a third date. Things are going well. She comes back. And uh, she comes back with Dan Rather. (laughs) And the King Potato says, you can't marry him. He's just a commentator. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and uh and he told us that joke like on like a a long ass drive from like denver to telluride we were going to play the telluride jazz festival and we were just kind of losing our mind in the back of my friend's volvo who we, we were like lucky enough to have her drive us there and we were just like driving over these mountains and matt was like are we there yet are we there yet and he, he told us this joke and we were like oh man i thought the royal potato family would be uh a great sort of umbrella name for i was like i should call my band that you know and then I was like, or maybe it could be called like just an, a good umbrella name for uh, for for all our our friends, or like you know our record label could be called that. Like all our friends are are all potato. We're all part of the potato family. <laughs> and uh, but not Dan so, Rather. But not Dan Rather yet. Yeah. Although we should invite him to it. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, we should put out a Dan Rather record <laughs> called. You're just a commentator, uh, but I can't uh, think but of yeah. a better place to to wrap up. Uh, yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah, that's that's Bob Dylan and Matt Chamberlain. Uh, yeah, and that. Yeah, on that note, you guys are great. Thank you for having me. And yeah, th- thank you. Um, and you're on on the road everywhere this fall. It sounds like. And yeah, where, doing where can playing. people find? more about you and uh, the, the tickets and the records. And oh, you know, MarcoBenevento.com or, you know, Instagram or Facebook or whatever. But yeah, we're out there playing all over the place. We're, we'll be on the West Coast in October and we'll be doing some East Coast shows in November. All right. We'll Great let, we'll let uh, you and Leon get back to your, your sonic alchemy. <laughs> right on. You're in full swing. Uh, yeah, right. Here we go. Back to song number two. <laughs> Thanks a lot for your all time. Right. All right, guys, take care. Thank you for listening. Craft Brewed Music, both the podcast and the music discovery app, has the mission of promoting this music and these artists. We can't do that without ears on the music. So if you like what you've heard here, we're going to ask you two small favors. First, tell someone about the podcast. Second, go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Craft Brewed Music app, and try a free two-week trial of the curated streaming service. For more information, visit us at craftbrewedmusic.com. Thanks again and see you next time.